This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook, Volume 2, and today is July 27th, 2023. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. Hi, my name is Todd Packer, and I was at Hofstra Radio from uh, 1992 to 1995 or 6-ish, because okay. I left in the middle of the year. Got it. And I can't, and, and I, and I'm in radio, so I can't do math. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, we understand the limitations. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for coming back. Oh, you're welcome. It's lovely I, to hear you. I loved it so much the first time. I just had to get more. <laughs> that trademark Packer sincerity. Hold on, <laughs> folks. It's going to get, it's going to be a wild ride. If you uh, like that, there's going to be a lot more. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't know we were doing a uh, one of those wild and wacky '80s style morning shows, did you? <laughs> I'm going to insert all kinds of sound effects now, and the clown horns and things of that nature, and whoopee cushions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic. I'm, 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 I'm going to try and put my mind in the, you know, as if I was on WPLJ in 1987. Fantastic. So anybody who knows what that is, you know what to expect. This is the right audience for that. I don't know if they're still listening, but it's the right audience for that. Yes. Good. (laughs) So what did you do? What were your titles and positions at the station? Uh, So thank you for asking that. That's a wonderful question. I, I, you know, I started out just like everybody else does, right? I started out as uh, just being on the air morning you know uh do the 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 classics Mm -hmm. right the classics from hofstra and everybody kind of starts there um but over the years i did um program operations um i did music director um i produced uh local band show um i produced uh airwave um and that might be be more or less it. I'm sure there's something I'm forgetting. Okay. Those Which three. of those jobs came first? Were you airwave producer, then music director, then pod? I'm pretty sure I was I was um, pod first and then airwave director, a producer rather. Pretty sure. Okay. Could be it could be the other way around. I can't quite remember. I might have even done those things concurrently at some point. Oh, uh, there might have been an overlap there. Okay. Well, I'm uh, sorry to have surprised you with these questions. You, you haven't surprised me. I'm just woefully underprepared. <laughs> okay. Let's, uh, all right. I don't know what order to take this on, but why, Todd Packer, would you want to be the program operations director? What happened with that? How'd you get in that job? You know, I, I, I have to be honest with you. I don't know exactly how I ended up in that role. I remember um, before me was Don Dressler. Mm-hmm. And I believe Christy Jasberg had done it before that. Mm-hmm. And those were both people that I was friends with and uh, and still and still am. And and I thought, uh, I don't know, I guess they were doing it and and they must have recommended me for it or something. Okay. I, I don't think there was a lot, you know, when you're, when you're, I know this is a shocker, but when you're like 19 years old or 
or whatever it was at that point. Uh, you don't, you don't think that far ahead. You know, you're not planning your big escape. You're, you're, you're just sort of like, this is a cool place. What can I do? Okay. Well, that's, that's, that's a open-minded attitude, at least, you know, early on in your experience. I'm sure later you got more jaded. No, I'm the least jaded person you'll, you'll ever meet. That's true. That was a, that was a fake question. I was, I was baiting you there. So, so Christy would have been program operations director, I want to say 92, 93, and then Don did it 93, 94. So then you would have done it after that. Um, what do you remember about the job itself? Um, I remember there were a lot of, uh, of evergreen reel to reels to take care of. That's what mm-hmm. I remember. And, and, you know, back in the days when it was, you know, real tape on a real, on a real reel, mm-hmm. which is a weird way to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember being actually was, it was a pretty, uh, it was a, it was a pretty, I don't want to say it was an easy job. You know, it was, a, it was a very good way to learn uh, the, how the, the radio station worked. Um, because, um, you know, there, there was almost something that you needed to do every day, right? There was, you, you were just really in, it, it was one of the few roles I would say that was very much like a, like a, like a true operations kind of role, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if I didn't show up, um, and, and schedule whatever it was that, that needed to go on there, you know, there, there could actually be problems and dead air and you know people wouldn't know what to do Mm -hmm. so it was uh it was it it was a a great uh, a great position to be in to really learn sort of the the business of of running a radio station without really you know taking a lot of responsibility right i mean you weren't you weren't the the uh you know station manager you weren't the you know the, the program director but you know, it was, it was an important role nonetheless. But because if you didn't do your job, if you didn't get those tapes to the studio, then there would be confusion or problems or, or if you sent the wrong thing down, that would be a problem, but it wouldn't be the end of the world. Yeah. I mean, you know, people were pretty resilient and, uh, you know, if there was an issue, eh, everybody that worked at the station, you know, everybody knew what to do. Um, they were trained impeccably, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, they really, uh, there was never anything that we couldn't handle on our own, but, uh, you know, the goal was nobody ever would call you and say, you know, it got, something got screwed up, right? That was, right. that was the goal. You know, you did not want to get that phone call. Right. Right. Now it would you... always, it would, it would always be Sunday morning at about 8am when something would go wrong. Right. Yeah. Nobody wants that call. No, nobody. Um, running a radio station wasn't necessarily in your career plan. I know you were saying you weren't thinking uh, long-term, but uh, I don't think radio was, was your major, was it? Was that uh, part of your ambition? Uh, you know, it, at, when I started at the station, uh, I don't think it was uh, specifically. You know, I was in the uh, school of communications, um, and I... I believe, you know, when I first started, I was thinking more along the lines of uh, uh, TV and not so much radio. But 
um, after I started working at the station, I think that changed. And, um, you know, it, it, it kind of evolved a bit, uh, over, you know, over time, but, but early on, I would say, yeah, I didn't, I didn't come into it thinking I'm going to work at a radio station as my career, but, um, it would have been something in the, you know, mass communications field, whatever that might've ended up being. Got it. Got it. So you do a year as program operations director, and then you're doing, uh, you're producing the airwave show. And I think, like you said, music director concurrently, the more I'm thinking about it, that's, that sounds kind of right. What were those jobs about? So the, uh, the producer of airwave, which was similar to really the producer of any of the, the, the major shows, you know, you're on multiple days, multiple hours, um, there's at least, you know, at the time I, it was, uh, the late night shift and there was two shifts and we had, uh, five nights and then eventually we kind of took over Sunday nights also. So six nights, um, of, content that you had to make sure was, was, was on the air. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of, you know, number one, the, the, the part that nobody liked, you know, making sure that every, every shift is covered. And, um, you know, that's certainly easy to do when you've, you know, you're talking about a, a time slot that everybody wants, but, uh, not that many people necessarily want to be on the air, you know, Monday night at, uh, you know, 11 or 12 o'clock at night mm-hmm. um, or one. I think we went to, I think we were till 3 a.m. Yeah. The ship, the airwave shifts were 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. and 1 p. to 3 p. And then we yeah. signed off. Yeah. Yeah. So three in the morning in the middle of the week is a, is a, is a, is a big ask for, for, for a lot of people. So, you know, that, that was, it was never that tough to find people who wanted to do it, but you know, if you had somebody who was sick or somebody who was out or, you know, whatever it was, it, it could be, uh, a, a, you know, a bit tricky to cover yeah. all the shifts just because of how late it was. Um, you know, and, and that was significantly more difficult in the summer because there was just less people, right? right? Less people were around. So I think that was, you know, one thing that I remember spending a lot of time doing, but the, but, but the part that I liked, uh, much more than that was going through the new music and, um, you know, making my, uh, obviously, you know, erudite, uh, uh, commentary on every single possible album that came our way. And very sincere and as well. I was, well, you know, I, I will say as, sar- <laughs> as, as sarcastic as I, as I may may be in, in regular life, I actually did try and put honest reviews on all of the, uh, on all the albums, um, which, you know, I think every, all the producers did in their yeah. own way. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you wanted to, uh, you know, especially airwave being, um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of relatively small unknown artists, you know, new, a lot of new music people had not heard before. Um, you know, you, you want to give people 
the, you know, the DJs, the opportunity to find something new and kind of, you know, you, you know, a lot of times play it without really auditioning very much of it. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, you didn't have a lot of time to prepare. So, so I think that was a, an important piece of, of, of what I did. And, 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 you know, again, all the producers in their own way doing that sort of thing. So that was the part I love the most. I mean, you know, every week you get that, that big bin of new music and you start tearing through it to find, you know, what you should play on the air or what you should recommend people play on the air. Right. Right. Um, I think that was, for me, that was probably the, the, the most fun. Hmm. Um, right. So I've got two questions related to that. One is technical and one's more of the, the content thing. The, the technical side, when you're a music director and airwave producer, I, I think at that point, almost everything that came in was on CD as opposed mm-hmm. to vinyl or, or something else, but not necessarily in the, in the fully digital downloading era. I think we're, we're still a little ways from that. And then the second mm-hmm. part um, you know, in terms of content is that we as a station had sort of developed this idea of, of not playing singles or at least not playing the popular song as a producer or music director. Were you thinking about that and saying, well, you know, you might like this, but we're going to play this. Were you doing anything like that? You know, not, it was a little bit easier for airwave. There were, there weren't a whole lot of hit singles, to pick from on airwave just mm-hmm. because it was, you know, at, at best, uh, or I want to say at best by design airwave was, you know, and, and, and should have been, um, looked at as like, you know, this is college music, right? So this is a lot of indie bands, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, smaller acts. It, it, you get into the, you know, a, a, a hit, uh, artist, they really shouldn't be on airwave anyway. So, um, you know, in a lot of respects, they would filter out of airwave kind of, um, by design. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to worry about it too, too much. Um, you know, there were a few things <laughs> to be honest, it was much more work to try and gatekeep the, uh, you know, the not for air versions of the songs versus the, you know, the hits Mm-hmm. that we didn't want to play. There was a lot more, there's a lot more of that going on than anything else. Um, so, so reading the CD booklets and listening to songs and listening for the curses and making sure those didn't make it onto the air, that that's more time consuming and, and more important, I imagine for a show like Airwave. Well, you, you know, we, there was certainly a lot more, uh, <laughs> there, it was a lot looser. The bands were a lot more likely to be, um, less ready for air in that respect. Right. And so, yeah, you had to spend a good amount of time just kind of going through it and, and, you know, list the ones you shouldn't, you know, you should, or, or at least tell people what was on there so they could make that decision, um, for themselves. You know, we didn't want to get in trouble, but at the same time it was college radio and we did, you know, we wanted to push the envelope as much as possible, you know, right up to the line, but not over it. And, um, airwave was a, you know, a, a perfect place for something like that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't think anybody was too worried about, uh, about, about that happening on the classics or, or, you know, the jazz, the jazz show, um, you know, not, not a lot of curse words in the classics these days. 
cer- certainly less likely to happen, but but yeah. not not necessarily you know hundred percent on the jazz show. I know there's a few things that went over the air over time, but that's a story for another time. Well, um, I didn't produce that show, so you can't ask me that. You have to ask some other guy. Did you ever do any jazz shows? I I filled in a few times. Yeah, um, which I was happy to do. Um, I, I was actually a a music minor. Right. Uh, and, uh, so I actually, you know, I had some, I had some credibility to get on and, you know, and, and, and do some of those other shows, not a lot, but a little bit. And, uh, I, so I would fill in from time to time, um, on the jazz show, you know, if, if there was somebody who couldn't make it, but I didn't generally volunteer for it mm. because it wasn't, it wasn't my, um, my area of expertise. I have a distinct memory of you doing a regular airwave shift, but I don't remember you doing a rock and roll Oasis shift all that I, often. I, I never, I don't, I'll be honest with you. I don't think I ever did a rock and roll Oasis shift. I, I, I Not one? I, really? I could be wrong. Um, you know, it's, it's rare. It's hard. It's rare, but I could be wrong. I don't think I ever did a rock and roll Oasis show. Certainly not by myself. But, so. but you did have a program that was part of the sort of umbrella of the rock and roll Oasis. Y- yes. For most of my tenure. In fact, I'd say everything except the first semester through the time I graduated, I, I co-produced the local band show with, uh, with Eric Hewler. Mm-hmm. Um, so by far, that's what I did the most while I was at uh, at the radio station. Was that on Friday nights? It was Friday night. It was uh, seven to nine Friday nights. Um, we came on uh, directly after uh, jazz would go off the air at uh, at seven. Um, and I'm I'm blanking right now on uh, the DJ who was on before us. I, I, I'll have to, uh, I'll never remember it during this show, but I'm going to have to go search the archives and try and remember who it was. But we came on right after jazz. And then after us was music for a darkened room at nine o'clock on Fridays. I remember oh. distinctly. Oh, I thought that was Joe Romano's show. Maybe that changed. No, I don't think so. Okay. Joe, no, I don't think Joe Romano was on. I don't know that I was actually on at any, I don't think there was any overlap with me and Joe Romano um, in that respect. Maybe only, that's a good one. I cannot remember. It's been too long. I, I thought maybe the, the, the local band show, I thought it started at an hour. And then when we expanded the Oasis to four hours, then you guys did two hours. I could be wrong about that, but that that's what was in my memory. Well, I think, and I don't, you know, I, I, I did not start the local band show. There was a, there was a, a strapping young lad named Brian McKinley. I think you actually started it. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. So that might've been the, the one hour. It seemed, it seemed like a good idea at the time and something that I did not have time for. And here was this, uh, one young man with with the the velvety deep tones of of an announcer that you just want to listen to all the time, and then yeah. another 
delightful young man with with a wonderful sense of humor and just wonderful uh capable engineering skills and a really solid ear and i thought those two young men they're gonna go somewhere the funny thing is i think they both sound like you're describing uh, eric and, and not me <laughs> i'm not sure which one of those i am i'll t- I don't don't answer that question i'm gonna i'm gonna pick which one i want and and i'm gonna i'm gonna go with that that's what i was hoping you would say thank you so so yeah i did i did the local band show for a little bit and uh looked at you guys and thought i think they can handle it and do a thousand times better than i ever could and you guys did you created a following you created uh a network you you guys were were in it people knew you and and they you know had a lot of respect for what you guys did yeah now and i should say just as an aside um not to get off the local band show but eric uh, so Eric Euler was when I was POD. Eric was the music director. Oh, okay. And then the following year uh, is when I took over music director from him. So it was all very, you know, it was all very, all very, you know, a tight little circle. Mm-hmm. Lots of continuity there. But yes, local band show with Eric Euler. Um, we did it for uh, between the two of us at least. Mm, three and a half years, almost four wow. um, that I was involved in it. So, um, you know, cause I had, uh, I had transferred into Hofstra, not come in as a, as a, as a, as a freshman. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had to, uh, not had to, but I ended up sticking around an extra, uh, an extra semester to make up for my, uh, my transfer credits. So I got a little extra time at the station. And we're all the better for it. Of course. <laughs> um, I remember, and again, not to make this all about me, but I remember when I was doing the local band show, it was 100% cassettes. And I would just spend a lot of time queuing up those cassettes before doing the show and then keeping track of, what was going on? Did that was that the case when you guys were producing the show, or did that start to change as the technology changed? You know, we we I remember we had a a good a good number of cassettes would come in. Um, we tried not to play from cassettes. Uh, you know, they were just difficult to work with. Yeah. Um, if there was something, you know, mo- it, I would say that it pretty quickly transitioned to uh, CDs, you know, at the time. And I know that for some of your older listeners to this, to this podcast, this will sound crazy. And to some of your younger, it'll sound even crazier for a completely different reason, but uh, recordable CDs really became uh, affordable mm-hmm. at the time. It was like, you know, so, so you could do a really short run of CDs, you know, you could do a hundred or something and they'd be, you know, whatever, 10 bucks or something a piece. And, uh, there were all the kinds of services that you could at the time, tons and tons of services. So a lot of the local bands would do that sort of thing, right? You know, they would pool their money and they, they, instead of, you know, running cassettes, they would, they would make a bunch of CDs, short run of CDs. It was not, uh, outlandishly expensive, I mean, you know, nowadays that that sounds you know crazy. You know, 
right. ten or fifteen dollars to make to make a CD. You know, you're you're not going to sell it. So, um, but yeah, CDR was was like a big thing right around that time. A lot of bands transitioned. If there was something we really wanted to play, uh, we would we would put it on cart. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was pretty rare, uh, you know. And 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 so we we generally didn't play the cassettes. The quality usually wasn't really there. Um, You know, we have very high standards and that's not a sarcastic thing to say. We actually didn't want to play things that didn't sound good. Um, You know, because ultimately that was, you know, it was, it was still us that, that that we were presenting. Right. I mean, we were the ones on the air. So, um, you know, we, we tried to keep the, the quality pretty high. And where were these things coming from? Are they coming in through the mail? Were people bringing them to the station? Were you getting them at shows? Uh, almost all of them would come in through the regular mail. Almost all of them. Uh, I, I don't... You know, Eric and I went to a lot of shows. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we were regulars at... Uh, a couple of the kind of local at the time, there were still a few decent, uh, you know, venues in the area that you could, you could see, you know, multiple different bands play on a Friday, Saturday night. And we would go to a lot of shows. Um, and you know, sometimes we would pick up CDs there, but most of them came in through the regular mail. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it probably, uh, I would say from most bands, especially local bands, you know, how else are you going to get your, your, your music out there? Right. I mean, right. there's a few, lo- a few uh, college stations and, you know, you send them out to, you know, as many people as you can and hope for the best. Right. I mean, yeah. It, but I, but I mean, in a, in a pre internet in a pre MySpace world, people knew about you guys and they would send it. It wasn't, they were just, cause they, they weren't cheap. Those CDs, you know, you're, putting 10 bucks in the mail and hoping a station will play it. You're not just going to send it to every radio station. They knew that you guys would at least consider and probably play most things. Yeah. You know, we, we, we did. Um, I, I will say, you know, one of the benefits is that there was a, um, you know, Hofstra radio was fairly well known just in general, mm-hmm. um, you know, as being a, a, uh, a station that, that had uh, certainly over the years shied away from, like you said, from playing the hits. Um, and uh, I, I think that helped us uh, in a lot of respects to, you know, to get some credibility. And, and once there was an outlet and people heard about it, yeah, it, it, it was not hard to, uh, to get new material. Um you know, there was a lot of, especially at the time, I think there was a lot of, a lot of bands playing, you know, it was right, um, you know, right at the, the beginning of the, of the, uh, you know, kind of the grunge scene from, from Seattle, right. Mm-hmm. Which is 91, mm-hmm. 92. And I think there were, at the time there was just this idea that, uh, you know, Hey, like this is, you know, anybody could do it, right? If, if they can do it in Seattle, we can do it on Long Island. Right. And, and I think, um, you know, it, there was, there was just a lot of activity around, you know, music and, and 
I would even go so far as to say just the the sheer volume of people just buying guitars and wanting to play music. Right. You know, there it, it in a way that I don't I don't think it's quite the same today as it was, you know, whatever that is, 20, 25 years ago. Um, so I, I think that helped us. We were just, you know, right place, right time. Um, and, uh, you know, we just we, we just made the most of it and, and had a, and really had a great time doing it. I, I don't want to puff you up too much here, but I have a memory of you being a very talented recording engineer. And I have some vague memories of you guys having bands either live in the studio or in the multi-track studio as part of the local band show, or at least, you know, as part of the, as part of the station. Am, am I remembering that right? Yeah. After I, you know, just telling this uh, story in reverse, of course, like all good, like all good stories. It's a Christopher Nolan it. story. It is. I was going to say that uh, this is, this is, you know, he'll make a movie out of this. I'm sure. I'll start writing it backwards on my arm. Okay, go. Uh, so uh, I, I, after I left Hofstra, I did end up being a, a recording engineer for a, about 10 years uh, working in, in, in a couple studios in Manhattan and a couple studios out on Long Island as well. Um, but where I did get my start, uh, was, um, at the, at the radio station doing exactly what you're saying. So we, we, uh, Eric and I felt, you know, Hey, wouldn't it be great to have somebody, you know, come on the air, right. You know, and we started, let's do an interview. So we had, you know, somebody come on and talk, you know, it's interesting, but how much do people really want to talk to just you know, relatively unknown musicians. So then we thought, well, let's maybe we could have them play on the air. And um, this was also, you know, at the time uh, uh, MTV Unplugged was like mm-hmm. huge. You know, it was a huge MTV Unplugged. Everybody wanted to be on that show. And uh, so we thought we could kind of do our version of that. Um, and, it, and it sort of mushroomed very quickly into um, – I don't want to say a, a, a sort of, you know, almost kind of a, of a, of an underground pirate radio kind of like, you know, you come down and we'll, we'll shove you in some, you know, way too small room and we'll set up, you know, whatever, whatever microphones we could like, just, just like, you know, fine. We would look under, under the rocks, you know, <laughs> under the welcome mat, whatever, whatever, you know, equipment we could find, the we were going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, you know, stringing, uh, you know, headphones, like, you know, literally just like, you know, with, with, with like twine and, 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 and bailing hay and tin, and cans. tin cans, if we could, you know, just, you know, let's just make it work. And, and really, in, in all honesty, way in way over our heads. I mean, we just like, we're like, we're just going to do it. How hard could it be? I've, I have, you know, about five seconds worth of experience doing this in a controlled environment. How crazy could it be to do it live on the air? I'm sure nothing <laughs> will go wrong. And, <laughs> you know, uh, for the most part, uh, it, it actually worked. It, it worked out. I don't know how we pulled it off. But yeah, you know, we, we started doing that and, 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 and at least 
I would say once a month we would try and have somebody on and, you know, just have them come and play because really that's when most of these, you know, a lot of these good musicians, um, you know, their, their recording might not necessarily convey who or, you know, what they are that much. And, um, you know, so yeah, we would, we would look for, for bands if they were interested and come on down and, and uh, to their credit, I mean, they did not ask a lot of questions. They didn't ask, you know, they didn't have a rider. They didn't, they didn't say I got to have, you know, they would just show up and we, and we would just, we would just say, Hey, you know, follow me into this deep, dark basement of this building, you know, this side entrance, you know, at the time we were in Memorial. Right, right down, down, down the long, dark staircase. Oh, long, dark staircase past this, like, you know, burnt out light bulb uh don't worry about that just come around here and just go into this windowless room everything's going to be fine and you know they just all just did it they they, nobody ever said nobody ever even batted an eye they just went for it they just did it and uh well one you're making it sound way 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 more sinister than it was and 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 b it is rock and roll i mean come on oh this was very rock and roll this was very rock and roll this was uh you know we had um, not a lot of not a lot of uh, equipment to work with, and it was very basic, and uh, and but we made it work, and uh, and I think in the end it actually ended up being one of the best things we could have done, yeah, uh, for sure. You know, Eric would would uh, would interview him for a few minutes. They'd play a couple songs. We'd talk to them for a few more minutes. They'd play a few more songs. It was, it was, in my opinion, kind of the the closest we could get to the kind of you know classic uh, broadcasting, you know, radio and TV. You know, in the old days when it was just everything was was very live and and not a lot of rehearsals and you know you just got out there and and did your you know did your best. And, uh, and, and I don't think we had any, anybody who couldn't cut it. So, um, it, it was one of the highlights for me. Yeah. I think you and Eric did such a phenomenal job of, of creating a show in an environment and a network and a format that really worked for everyone's benefit and everybody got something out of it. And it was, it was endlessly entertaining and, uh, and it was, and and it, and it, really made a mark people people knew about it so um yeah i you know and and when i asked you guys to do it uh, i had no idea what would happen and you guys were uh exceeded all expectations uh, a thousand times over and that's that's nothing to do with you guys it's just sort of like well it's long island and there's local bands you know what are, what are we going to get here and uh i i think you guys did really well in 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 making the best of it and and making people sound good so uh, yeah. Well done. Well done. Now here's, here's a stumping question and I can mm-hmm. cut this if you want and not mm-hmm. to say that you have any favorites, but are there any bands that you remember? Well, <clears throat> the, the overwhelming uh, favorite for, for Eric and I, uh, and, and, and there's a, there, there are a few that, that really, um, stand out um there's there's a couple in particular but the one that we had on the most that we had the most fun with 
uh, that was always, always entertaining uh, was a band called uh, Rotgut. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, Rotgut, <clears throat> I mean, just, it was basically, um, it was two guys. Mm-hmm. I, Brothers? Uh, they were brother-in-laws. Okay. And um, they were just hilarious people and great musicians. And we had them on multiple times. We invited them uh, several times uh, to do, um, we used to do Friday afternoon, um, like in the quad mm-hmm. uh, kind of concerts, not really concerts, but you know, we were just like for the, during the school year for, you know, a couple times we would do like, you know, Friday afternoon, three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. I remember like uh, by the, by the Unispan or something. By, right? the, by, the, yes, by the entrance. Uh, yep. Right off the entrance of the Unispan um, on the, uh, the North side. Mm-hmm. Right. So the, so by the, uh, by the, the dorms. dorms, we would have some bands play and we had them on a, a couple times and they were just, you know, they were just really, really funny guys uh, for sure. And, 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 and always, always, uh, uh, up for it and just, you know, always entertaining. And we, we almost didn't need to do anything. And, 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 um, you know, one of them, the singer from that band actually went on to be, um, a DJ for a while, Mm -hmm. had his, had his own morning show, ultimately landing, landing up in Boston. That's impressive stuff. Yeah. And he got a start, uh, in Rotgut and, uh, who knows, maybe we helped him along the way. I, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. <laughs> um, now we've we've hit a couple of major parts of your career at Hofstra Radio, but is there a story that you always tell when talking about the station? <clears throat> you know, there's there's um, I don't know if this is a story that per se, um, but I, it, strangely enough, it comes up a lot in conversation when people start talking about the radio station, you know, you'll say, Oh, what did you do? Oh, I, you know, I went to Hofstra. I worked at the radio station and, and, uh, people are very, you know, you talk about it now and they go, Oh, what was that? You know, what was it like? The radio, all this stuff. And you start telling them, you know, kind of the, what it was like being on the air and, 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 and things, but inevitably the thing that they always want to know is like, okay, uh, you know, what would you do? Because this was a real life situation, uh, and you can, you know, hey, listen, this might be, this might be not for air. I don't know. You might have to cut this. We'll see. Okay. But what would you have to do? You're alone for several hours on the air because we did our shifts alone, mm-hmm. especially on, especially airwave. You know, at one in the morning, you're on the air and you have to go to the bathroom. Oh. What do you do now today? And this is something that uh, the the broadcasters of today will never know because it's all automated. Right. Right. I mean, people don't think about it that much, but you don't really even. Well, you know, because you're you're involved, but a lot of people aren't. Most of it's automated. You don't really have to be there very much uh, other than the live shows, which you have to, you know, you're announcing live. It, It pretty much you know, it kind of runs itself to a certain degree. Um, but in those days, you played a CD or a record. You know, we played a lot of vinyl back then. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, when it was over, you had to push the button for the next thing to start. There was nobody there to do it for you and no machines to do it for you. There was no automation. Fascinating. Isn't it amazing? Now, at the commercial stations at the time, they did have automation. You know, this is not this is it's not the Stone Age, but at college radio, there was no automation. Yeah. So you know, what do you do? Well, I and like all of our, you know, anybody who was on the air, you had two or three songs that you knew were super long, mm-hmm. and you would pick those out, and you know, you had you knew how much time you had. And you hoped also, I should say, this is before um, smartphones. So you didn't you couldn't even like set a timer. You had to just put the thing on, leave and hope that you got back in time. Right. And until you walk back in that room, you know, it's like uh, it's like the old, you know, Schrodinger's cat. Right. Is it alive or dead? You don't know until you open the box. (laughs) You don't know if you're still on the air until you open that door and hear that music playing. So, you know, it was very, it was very exciting. You know, it, 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 it really kept you on your toes, but it's amazing. Almost every time I, I, I talk to anybody, this will come up and I don't, I don't know why, but. Does that say more about people's questions about radio or the type of people that you're talking to, that they're interested in this aspect of, of the medium? Or do you, you know, steer asking, the or do you steer the conversation that way? Do you like a, a, ask me what happens when you got to go to the bathroom? <laughs> like, do you lead them down that path? It's like, okay, Todd, what happens? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I I hope that I didn't. I hope that I didn't. Maybe I did. Uh, you know, it's 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 quite it's quite possible. It's possible. Um, do you remember I, I, do you remember any of the songs that you might have picked out did you have a go-to seven minute cd you could throw on and you know uh yeah you know i there was a there was a, a dinosaur junior song that i played constantly that was a good one i i'm, I'm trying to remember the name of the of the track right now and um i haven't uh I haven't had enough coffee, even though it's uh, almost you know it's 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 almost eight o'clock at night. I haven't had enough coffee to remember it quite yet. Okay, but um, I did play a lot of uh, a lot of Dinosaur Junior um, because they had a really they had one song that was about about fourteen minutes long. Nice, and uh, that was that was just the right amount of time. <laughs> Which leads to more questions that we're not going to ask here. Uh, and speaking of not asking things or not talking about things, is there a story that you rarely tell or forgot about in your extensive research for this interview that you were like, oh, yeah, this story or something that just just doesn't come up a lot, but you think is important or funny or useful or something? You, you know, it's it's almost like you're fishing for an embarrassing story. No, 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 not at all. No, I would never want to embarrass you. <laughs> by by bringing up your you know 
your needs during I, a shift yeah. in the middle of the night. I'll tell you. I'll I'll tell you. That. I would never bring that up. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I you know? I didn't. <laughs> I may be harping on it, but I didn't bring it up. Oh, good for you. So so, I'll tell you that, that there was a story. It's funny because I I was, uh, I was actually preparing for this for this interview. Um, I know it's hard to believe, based on my performance. But I was preparing for this interview, and I thought, you know, is there something kind of fit? You know, you you were nice enough to feed me some of these questions, so I wouldn't sound like a complete uh, a complete buffoon. But you know, something that I had forgotten, and um, I I just started. I don't know, I don't know what made me think about it, but um, I don't know if you uh, do. You remember uh, Joan Osborne? The, sure. the artist love her so yeah. yeah and i and and i and i do too um i was early on in my career um at the station and i i can't remember exactly when it was but um i was supposed to interview her right when that album came out it was it was bef- it was when it was it was, you know, pretty high up on the on the college charts. It started to chart in like the you know, the the, the Hot 100 or whatever it was at the time. Mm-hmm. She hadn't won because she went on to win like that from for that the, you know that first album, like four Grammys or something. You know, right the next year. So it was right before all of that happened. But you know, she was big enough that like, oh wow, she's really cool. She's you know, you know, this is the obviously going to be a big hit and um and i got an interview with her and actually i believe you had helped set it up or or some you knew somebody i think at the time you were probably station manager you knew somebody who knew somebody and you were able to like set up uh an interview and i was so excited and it was like saturday afternoon i was going to do this interview and, um, and I remember, um, I came into the studio and, you know, we had the, the, uh, the multi-track was on the other side from, uh, from the broadcast booth, mm-hmm. but there was, you know, separate doors and, you know, everything was locked up as it usually was and should be. And, um, I just, and, and for whatever reason, I can't remember the exact reason, but, um, I could not get into the multi-track side to do the interview. Oh no. I was so, it was incredibly embarrassing. I was so like disappointed and, um, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to point fingers at whose fault it was. It wasn't yours. I don't think it was probably mine. Yeah. It was probably, no, it was probably me. Um, but I couldn't, but I remember, talking on the phone with her and just, you know, being super apologetic and, and she was so nice about the whole thing. Um, and, uh, and then she never took my phone calls again. So there, there you go. I missed my opportunity. Then she went on one, you know, a bunch of Grammys and had no time to to interview at Hofstra radio. And and if the interview had gone well, she might've during his speech said, and you know, People like Todd Packer got me to where I am today. 
I fully expect. I, I fully expect that if the, if the if the interview had happened, she would have said, "Oh, you must come on tour with me," and um, it could have happened, and, and 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 you know, be my tour manager or something. She she could have been dazzled by your flying faders. You know, I didn't have those at the time. Well, this was this you was this you could have made it seem that way. I could have. I could have. I didn't. I didn't have it at the time, and uh, interestingly enough, um, you know, I, I. I don't think. Actually, this uh, will this will come as a shock. Uh, we didn't really even have. Uh, you know, we didn't really have much of anything. We didn't have email. We didn't have no, anything. No. We barely had. We barely had the internet. Barely. You had to go sit at the computer lab and like sign out time and write code. To send someone a message. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, bulletin board, a lot of BBS systems that we were on. Hmm. I, I, that was I, it. I have a vague recollection of being at Keith Hannon's house. And he's like, oh, check these message boards out. They're great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. I would, I would go almost, <laughs> oh, I would go regularly to the computer lab uh, at college where you should be doing college stuff right? and go onto the bulletin board for uh, Paisley Park Studios. Mm. Uh, they had a great bulletin board. I mean, great, you know, because that was Prince's thing. And um, you're being and, sincere. Uh, I'm being absolutely sincere, 100 percent. Oh. This is this. this it, it is what I did. Um, there was another great bulletin board uh, that was like for uh, just uh, uh, recording in general. Um, there was one that I would always look at for, uh, 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 for, uh, you know, like, you know, music, new music and, and, you know, clubs and things in, uh, in New York and mostly in the city. Yeah. There was tons of good stuff. I never did any homework in the computer lab. No, no. How could no. you work there? It's, it's no possible way. It's impossible. Um, is there a song or an event or uh, a thing that happened that in your mind defines your time at the station or that era? You know, it's so, it's so hard to uh, define, boil it down to one thing. Um, but, uh, you know, I would say, honestly, um, by far the thing that, that I was most, you know, and we talked about it a lot, but the thing that I was most known for was, was, uh, was being on the local band show. And, um, uh, I, I think, you know, there was, there was probably, um, you know, there's probably a point where it, it wasn't even at the station so much, you know, we, we, we just going out and, and, and being part of the, the scene of, of, uh, of music on Long Island. Um, you know, I can remember one or two times actually getting kind of recognized, um, you know, introducing myself to people and, and having kind of, you know, strangers, not strangers, but, you know, people I didn't know directly say, Oh yeah, we've heard you guys on the, on the air. And, and, uh, uh, you know, it was, it was like kind of amazing to think that, you know, there were people on the other side actually listening to us. Yeah. Um, you know, and and it's not kind of a. There's not really a singular moment that that I think that happened at, but uh, 
you know, look, look, looking back on it now, it's like, well, you know, when else are you going to have an opportunity? Um, you know, the situation of, hey, listen, you're just doing this thing. You don't even know if anybody's out there. And then one day you find out, yeah, yeah, there's people out there and they're 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 listening and they know who you are. And and uh, so it was it was um, it was it was a great it was a great experience. I, I know I that you that. won't oversell it. But I'm I'm gonna try to and and you know that is the the fear in college radio is like I guess there's nobody out there. But I know for a fact, for multiple facts, that you and Eric created a really vibrant thing that people knew about, and it was some of that was your you know your hard work, some of that was your talent, some of that was your your patience and your ambition. But you guys had had a following, and and people knew you guys, and it was it was a real. One of the, the the things that I I look back most fondly on, even though I, I really had nothing to do with it, other than putting you guys in place and saying, "What do you need?" Um, I, it's one of the things that I look back and I go, "That's that was really as good, if not better, probably better, almost certainly better than anything commercial radio was doing at the time." Well, that's a very nice thing to say. It is. And I appreciate that. I, 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 I think, I think you are a hundred percent right. I've never agreed with you more. So I have another memory that mm. of this time period. We it was a very big deal for those of us who were into airwave and and the, the Oasis and and the jazz show to a lesser extent. But getting into the College Music Journal and reporting to CMJ, and then they had conventions, which uh, somehow. I think for at least a couple of years, we got the station to pay for at least a few people to go. And mm-hmm. I have a very distinct memory of you coming back from one of the nights and you and I were talking in the main office near the station manager's desk. And you looked at me in the most sincere Todd Packer way possible and said, this band Green Day, they're, they're going to be a big thing. And, and I think, I, I think, are. I think you played something or described it or something. And I went, yeah. And you went, yeah, they're, they're going to be a big thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, like 15 minutes later, like, like they heard, like you said those words and the next thing you know, they were everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I have very distinct memory of that. Um, do you remember that at all? Is that ringing any bells? So... I don't remember that conversation, but I can tell you they did play at CMJ. Yes, I don't. I don't. I'm so sorry. I don't remember that. But I'll tell you, uh, I certainly would have had that conversation with you for for sure. Because uh, we did go to CMJ in that year, <clears throat> in the one you're talking about, uh, with myself and uh, uh, Jen Murphy. Packer, who mm-hmm. you've already interviewed, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Brett, uh, Brett Dion. Mm-hmm. The three of us went that year, and we and I we were already aware of Green Day. Uh, we were already playing their, you know their 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 record that was not quite um, on the chart, but they were making the rounds of the college, you know, scene, and they had a pretty good following uh and uh but just you know college radio college you know the, the the sort of the college tour scene so we're talking you know at the time probably um 
you know, thousand seat kind of places, uh, 500 seat kind of places. And we thought, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to be, you know, a huge band, which of course they are. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, and still are, I mean, you know, the, the kids today are still listening to them. The kids are still listening. I had a student last year, he'd come in every single day, he'd borrow a ukulele from the music department and every single day he'd come into class and say, Mr. McKinley, which Green Day song am I playing? And he'd play something on the ukulele. And and they all sounded the same to me. But yes. um, I think that was more of his playing than than an indictment of Green Day. But yes, 30 years later, they're still, uh, the kids still like them. Yeah. But the, so the story, as the story goes, um, at CMJ that year, at the uh, convention, uh, the three of us had, yeah, and the great thing about CMJ, you saw a lot of great bands. You know, right. you, got, you got access to a lot of great, great music. Um, and uh, and uh, Green Day was headlining um, one of the shows. You know, they usually do for CMJ. They would have you know three, four nights worth of shows at you know three or four different venues a night. Um, various sizes and and Green Day was definitely um, it probably was like the Thursday night show, mm-hmm. um, which was uh, one of the bigger, you know, and it was it was one of the bigger venues. Um, I'm trying to remember which one it was at this point. I can picture it in my head. Um, I want to say it was Irving Plaza. Uh, it was not Irving Plaza. Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, near there but i can't remember what it was it was not arving plaza okay um we saw a few other bands uh we saw garbage there I think, oh wow the following year but but that year um so we we had tickets we saw green day there's they were kind of like the the big headliner of that particular event that particular night and um and the distinct memory i don't remember any of the songs they play um, although I'm sure they were all from the first, you know, that, you know, that, that big, all the big hits that everybody mm-hmm. remembers. Right. Sure. Um, but distinctly what I remember is that at some point, uh, Billy Joe, uh, you know, pulled his pants down and flashed everybody. That's what he did. Wow. And, uh, and, uh, Brett and I were, you know, of course, uh, uh, visibly, uh, visibly upset and, uh, and I think uh, Jen might have fallen asleep during the show because it was late and she was not a huge fan. Hmm. And uh, But I definitely would have told you that story immediately upon seeing you next. The, the, the flashing story or the fact that they were going to be the big thing? Uh, pro- <laughs> probably both. <laughs> probably thinking, well, they're going to be a huge thing because this, this, is, this is how real rock stars behave. Yeah. Rock and roll. This is obviously what they're destined to be. But yeah, that was a, that was a good show. And CMJ, I, I don't have any idea if they still do anything like that uh, these days. Um, but the, the, the convention was, yeah, it was a huge, it was a huge deal. People would come in from all over the country and uh, we just lived here. Yeah. You know, we would just take the train in. Yeah, nice and convenient. You just pay for a pass and take the train in, and you're all set. Yeah, yeah, it was a good, good time. Was there ever a moment 
during your time at WRHU where you thought, ah, I'm fed up with this. If I got to look at McKinley one more time, if I got to talk to him again, I'm just not coming back. Was there ever a moment where you're like, eh, I, I'm over it? You know, not, not really. Um, I think, um, you know, and this is no, uh, I don't think this will come to a surprise to anybody, you know, the transition for, for our group, um, when, um, you know, the, the, the years that we were there, um, were, kind of transitionary years mm-hmm. for the station, you know, from this, um, you know, kind of underground stepchild thing to something that was actually part of the university. And <clears throat> I think a lot of us who came in, uh, like myself and, and, you know, at, at that, that mindset, um, you know, we, we didn't necessarily, uh, enjoy the, increased oversight that that occurred when you know we moved out of the basement of memorial and you know into this brand new beautiful building as part of the you know school of communications right the school of communications being a a literally formed um as a as a an official uh, school uh the year that i was a senior mm-hmm. so <clears throat> you know th- there were i think moments where we all kind of went oh you know you know what's this corporate stuff we're doing right Ugh. you know it's so corporate but um uh but no it never got to the point of of uh you know we're we're gonna we're gonna stop right no. right well I, I, various people have described it in fact i just talked to joe romano and he said you know there was a spirit of like pirate radio there for a couple of years where you know we didn't necessarily have the resources like you're saying with the local band show or the equipment or the support from the university but we we did things we had high expectations and we got stuff done and it was it was really good most of the time sometimes it was all right but for the most part i think we did a really good job and sometimes because of the limitations and so we had that pirate radio mentality, and then they plopped some of us into this brand new, beautiful facility that was literally a fishbowl in mm-hmm. School of Communications, and that's that was a bit jarring for people. It was. We didn't really uh, like any of those people, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that's fair. But uh, you know, we, we came to. Uh, you know, learn to, 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 uh, to tolerate them. And, and, uh, and in the end, you know, I say looking back and I, I think that's probably your, you know, kind of your follow-up question, right? It's like, it, it, it does uh, certainly prepare you much more for, um, you know, unless you're going to, unless you're going to run your own business and be your own boss, it, it, you know, it, it being uh, beholden to something bigger than just, you know, our little group, that's, you know, way more realistic of everyday life. You know, the next, you know, 40 years of your career, right. no matter where you go, um, even if you're at a little radio station in the middle of nowhere, you know, you've still got people you, you have to answer to and uh, you can't just do whatever you want. Right. right. So. Um, 
it, it's much more realistic to have constraints than not to, hmm. um, you know, and, and we were lucky enough to have a, 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 a few moments where we really were not restrained in any, in any respect. Yeah. Um, and, uh, that can be, you know, quite intoxicating, but let's be honest, we're, we're, we're playing with other people's money. I mean, we're playing with other people's stuff, right? There's Hofstra radio equipment and, you know, someone's got to pay to keep the electricity on and, and, uh, and they were nice enough to let us, uh, you know, do our thing and, and not really give us, um, really much of a hard time at all in, in, in retrospect, you know, um, there were certainly, I think, benefits to having the freedom we had in some ways, but, uh, one, I don't think it was sustainable and two, uh, you know, if given what we, we did with our limited means, imagine what we could have done if we had more. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it would be interesting to try and go back now and do some of the things that, that, uh, that we did, you know, or, 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 you know, wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know, you know, the station is much more well-equipped today than it was, uh, back then. Um, you know, they have a lot more resources. They have a lot more, uh, support from the, from the, you know, the university itself. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's a different relationship that, uh, the students, uh, there have today than, than I think we did with, you know, the, the university and the administration at large. It's, it's just a different environment to work in. Well, thank you for that, that thoughtful and diplomatic answer. I do take issue with you assuming you know what my next question is going to be. So just in that case, I'm going to really throw caution to the wind and ask you, what's the funniest thing? that happened at the station while you were there or the, or the goofiest thing or the thing that makes you laugh to this day? Wow. That's, that is a great question. And I'm one, I'm really not, um, really not prepared for. <laughs> I didn't, cause I thought, well, all of my stories are so funny. To they are, with. they are. You know, what, what more do you want from me? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, we, we uh, try to think what, you know, what's a really funny story? Well, um, I don't know. We, we, it's not really, I would not say this is radio. Hmm, maybe this is not really directly related to the radio station, That's but the okay. people at the radio station. Sure. sure. Okay. People at the radio station, I guess. Um, you know, there, there were, there, we, we would sit around in that office and, um, you know, we had a lot of time, uh, in between classes mm -hmm. and we weren't on the air all, you know, we would just hang out. So, you, you know, there was just a lot of stuff that you could just kind of, you know, we would just get into high hijinks, I guess, <laughs> hilarity, shenanigans. um, shenanigans. I'll tell you to this day, I'm still, um, blown away by the, uh, the upside down forest. Remember the upside Jeff Krause's right? upside down forest. Absolutely. Yes. So I'm still trying to recreate that. You know, I mean, how many pencils can you, uh, lodge in the, in the uh, drop ceiling? 
The toothpicks. Um, just by, Mostly toothpicks. You know, was it toothpicks? Yeah, I remember there was... I, I couldn't do toothpicks. I wasn't uh, skilled enough, but I could do pencils. Oh, they had just enough heft um, to get in there. And we would just do that for hours and hours and hours on end, um, just entertaining ourselves. That was that was always good fun. Um, you know, I, I, I distinctly remember... Um, you know, certain members of our team, uh, you know, answering the phone as if they worked in other departments because oh. we were on the, we were on the university, oh. you know, we were, we were, we had an office, right? So we had, we were in the, we were in the, in the office, uh, pool of the, of the phone system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and some, some, some people would do that just, you know, just to entertain ourselves. No one you associated um, with, but you knew what happened. I heard about it. Yeah. I never, I can't say it actually did or didn't. I just, you know, I heard a whisper about it, mm. you mm. know? Um, but that was always fun. I mean, we, we, you know, we never got in, we never were destructive and we never uh, uh, really did anything bad to anybody. But, you know, we were, we were just, uh, you know, being silly. We were kids being silly. Bunch of knuckleheads. So we were just a bunch of knuckleheads, you know, on a on a Friday night. What are you going to do? Well, you know, we, we might hang out in the office of in the basement. That sounds like fun. <laughs> it's every kid's it's every kid's dream. It's every kid's dream. But you know, one thing I will say is, uh, as a group, you know, we we all. Um, we didn't just work together. You know, we all hung out together. Um, you know, some of us would go on trips together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we would go, uh, and get, uh, you know, Friday nights, go to, go to the local, the local bar slash wing establishment and, and, you know, just enjoy, uh, hanging out. And, you know, it was, it was a, uh, we had a lot of fun together, so Fair not enough. necessarily on the air. Although I will say, one of the one of the funniest things I ever sat through, uh, and I had I did nothing other than sit in the back of the room, but I sat through one of or more than one, but there was one in particular. I sat through a couple of Dave Koenig's shows, and he he was always just a hilarious person on the air when he, you know, when he really got into it, he was just funny as, as anybody I ever met on the air. And I remember sitting through a couple of his shows and it was just, uh, the Oasis was, shows. Yeah. 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 The shows he did on the Oasis. And I know that then, um, uh, did he, I think he might've done some of the morning show at some yeah. point. Yep. Um, but I was never up early enough for that. No, I'm God, never, no. Really, no. You know. But I sat through his Oasis shows, and and I just remember, by far, he was one of the funniest people ever, ever on the air, um, in in my in my tenure. Um, there was a few others that were funny too, but, um, you know, I remember sitting in the back of the room and watching him work, and it was, it was just fun. Dave always put on a good show. Um, what do you miss most about the station? You know, easy access to uh, to French fries from um, bits and bites. 
you're a foodie well, you know, is what you're saying yeah i'm a foodie I, and i like nothing more than than you know heat lamp cooked uh french fries from from the you know the snack bar right i mean yeah. it's just this just fantastic so yeah yeah i think i i think i gained 10 pounds eating food from uh from bits and bites from upstairs yeah yeah, it's, oh, yeah it's the conven- sure. the convenience was was terrible if you were to get a phone call and i know you'd never answer your phone but if you were to get a phone call from the station to say we need you to come in and do a shift and cover a couple hours on the air would you do it i i would do it i would do it i i don't think that they would be prepared for what would what would happen i i, I <laughs> I don't think that they're ready for that sort of thing, but I would certainly do it. And, uh, I, you know, they would have to sign a waiver that, uh, you know, whatever happens, I, you know, I can't be held liable. It's just, it's just, things are going to happen, but yeah, okay. I would do it. Okay. Good to know. I Good would be, know. we need be, you to, we need to do the classics next Friday, by the way. Is it at 7am? Uh, I don't know. I should know. I don't, well, I don't know. 9 a.m. Wow. at worst. 9 a.m. at worst. Okay. okay. All right. Um, yeah. If you could time travel and give 19-year-old Todd Packer a piece of advice, word of advice, nothing like, you know, life-altering, but, you know, a little whisper in the ear, what would you say? You know, the one thing I would say actually is is I wish I'd spent um, more time on the air. Really? Huh. Yeah. I. You know, I... I other than the local band show, which I was on, you know, that I was mostly engineering and, um, you know, I would do kind of regular, uh, especially in the end, you know, I, I would do my, sh- I would do my shift on airwave and I would do kind of a semi-regular thing on Sunday nights. Um, anarchy, anarchy after that was post because Sunday nights was, uh, you know, already already the chicken head. And then, uh, we he he left and we did we did anarchy right um but uh i wish i'd been actually spent more time on the air Hmm. um you know those are the things that i think people you know nobody looks back and says man i did i just loved filing all those all those reel to reels you know it's it's the being on the air and and uh, you know at the time especially you could pick any song you wanted to play yeah. And and just do it. And we did. And, you know, so I wish I'd done more of that. Okay. Um, a lot of people have asked me, you know, well, what happened to this one or where are they now? And so I'm sort of going to wrap up this question together here. So, you know, what did you bring from Hofstra Radio with you into your professional and personal life as, as a grown-up, as an adult? Well, first of all, thank you for uh, for for saying I'm an adult. It's 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 really uh, it's in the script. I have to say it. Yeah, it's 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 debatable, but I'll give you that one. Fair enough. Um, (laughs) You know, I I think um, uh, truthfully, you know, my time at at Hofstra, the the thing I take away most was uh, really the idea of, you know, taking responsibility for um at least within a in you know within my time slot within my you know when i'm there 
the things I had to do. It's like, you just had to get it done and make sure you were on the air. There was no, um, uh, you know, the, there was no do overs, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. it was, it was, you got to do it. There's, you know, the only option is to get it done. Um, and if, and inevitably if something went wrong, which it always did, um, you know, you just had to figure out how to deal with it. And I think that more than anything else, that's probably what I've taken, you know, the, the, the concept of, um, you know, you, you, you taking responsibility and just, uh, uh, getting, you know, whatever that, ta- you know, you have one task, you just have to focus on it and do it. And, uh, I, I think that's something I, I've certainly taken away from there and use, you know, remind myself on a daily basis. That's great stuff. Thank you for sharing that. Is there anything else? Well, yeah. I mean, there's very high standards here. Is there anything else that you got out of your time at Hofstra radio that you're, you're you're thankful for or appreciate? It's almost like you're probing. No, 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 no. I just, I just want to make sure that you have the time to express the things that are important to you, (laughs) given your relationship with Hofstra radio. Well, of course, of course, I, I have it's our friendship, our friendship, yes, number one, number but one, of course, I'm, I am presently, you know, and will forever be, uh, you know, married to Jed Murphy, who I met at Hofstra radio. Mm. And I would not have, you know, literally, uh, my entire life would be different mm. if I had not come down there. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't be, you know, married. I wouldn't have a kid. Um, you know, I wouldn't be living here. I wouldn't be doing this interview for sure, no, that's but, for sure. um, you know, there, there's, there, it's, it's hard. You know, you talk about the kind of the domino effect, you know, the butterfly effect. It's like, if, if, if I hadn't just decided to come down that, that day, you know, who knows, I might've gotten involved with, uh, with, uh, HTV instead. And, uh, and we all would have been the worst for it. Indeed. I certainly would be. Well, you, you old romantic, you, you old so-and-so, this has been just a delight. And, you know, uh, the sincerity, the thoughtfulness, the, the energy, uh, it, it, it gives me, it gives me air. It gives me life. And, and thank well, you, Todd, for being so generous with your stories and time. Well, thank you. You know, and, and honestly, Brian, thanks for doing this. I don't think anybody else could be better suited to do this than you. And, you know, so you should give yourself a, a pat on the back, too. I don't, I don't look, think look, I can. You don't have to insult me. You don't have to, you know, get mean about I don't it. Have, I don't have to, but I will. <laughs> this has been fun. For me, too. Thank you, Todd. You're welcome, Brian.